Welcome to the Empowering Midlife Wellness Podcast, where we talk about everything to do with midlife women's wellness and creating the best second half of life. I'm your host, Dr. Susan Hardwick-Smith. I'm a board-certified gynecologist, certified menopause practitioner and hormone replacement specialist, as well as an ICF-certified life and leadership coach and lots of other things. So if you want to check me out and learn about my private practice and other offerings, my website is www www.drsusan.com. That's D-R-S-U-S-A-N.com. It's my commitment to stay neutral by not accepting advertising dollars from sponsors. So all of these episodes are offered freely. And the best way that you can help this podcast is to share it with your friends, leave a positive review, and also keep in mind this is simultaneously posted in video format on YouTube, where you can find me by searching for Dr. Susan Hardwick-Smith. Hi friends and welcome to this week's episode. Today I want to get into all of the possible treatments for vasomotor symptoms, also known as hot flashes and night sweats, which is the two symptoms that most people would associate with menopause if you just ask people in the community. So first of all, what causes them? Well, they are 100% related to estrogen depletion. So remember the type of estrogen that we make from our ovaries, the primary type called estradiol drops to pretty low levels even before menopause during our cycle. So many of us experience those symptoms during and around our menstrual cycle when we're perimenopausal, sometimes even starting in our 30s or early 40s. And then as estrogen rises, coming back up towards the mid-cycle, those symptoms go away. So we know that that's exactly what causes them. I also had them, like many of you may have, during times when we're breastfeeding. That's another time when our estradiol is very, very low. So suffice to say, low levels of estradiol can cause these really unpleasant temperature changes. So what do they feel like? And if you've had them, you'll know there's lots of different ways that they present. For me, it was primarily waking up at night sweating. And I mean like soaking wet. I would be wet like I'd been in the shower. And then of course you wake up uncomfortably cold. You have to change your bed clothes, go sleep in the guest room. So that disrupts sleep to say the least. Other people might just feel hot at night and have to kick off the sheets. You might keep the temperature at 65 when your partner wants it at 72. So all kinds of temperature disruption. And then the hot flash part, which is typically during the day, often can be what it felt like for me was just a rising feeling from my chest. My chest would turn red, my face would turn red, my head would start prickling, and then little beads of sweat would start to run down my face. And it was usually at the most inopportune time, like when I'm doing a public speaking event or something like that. And then I'd start sweating profusely under my arms. You can imagine how this is not just a small thing. A lot of people talk about it as if it's just a minor inconvenience, like, oh, she's just being hormonal. It's not that small of a thing. First of all, if it's disrupting your sleep, and I'm talking about in a major way, I mean, this can take hours out of your sleep or create an entire night of less than restful sleep. That's incredibly disruptive to moods, energy, causes sugar cravings, etc. all of the things that we've talked about before. And then, of course, during the day, it's just socially awkward, to say the least. We can feel embarrassed. We can feel anxious. 
it really can be a big deal. A lot of times we live in fear that this is going to happen at an, in an opportune moment, like what I was talking about when you're in the middle of a public speaking event or at a job interview or something like that. Oh my gosh, so not a small thing. So why do these happen? We don't know exactly why, uh, but the part of the brain called the hypothalamus, that's the part of the brain that is responsible for temperature regulation, just gets out of whack to put it mildly. We don't exactly know why that happens, but our body is attempting to cool us down. So it would be appropriate for our blood vessels to dilate, for our face to turn red and to start sweating if we were in a situation where we needed to cool our body down. So for some reason, estrogen depletion makes our brain think we need to cool down when we really don't. So it's just one of the many ways that our brain gets out of whack. And we know hormones cause massive effects on our brain, right? Back from early on when we started having periods, people would say we were hormonal when we were having mood swings, sleep, moods, temperature sensitivity, memory. Everything that our brain does really depends on our hormones being stable or at least present. So in terms of estradiol, when we do blood levels of estradiol, when levels get usually below 30, 40, that's when many patients start having these symptoms. And how many people have them? We don't know exactly. Uh, pretty much 100% of the patients who come to see me because that's a self-selected population, but probably more than 80% of us are gonna experience those either to a mild degree or to a very severe degree like mine, like the ones that I was describing that can really disrupt our lives. And not only is it disruptive in the time that it's happening, there are studies now showing that women who have worse vasomotor symptoms that are not treated have an increased risk of neurological decline or even Alzheimer's disease as we get older. So these changes that are happening in our brain are not good for lots of reasons, not the least of which we feel terrible at the current moment when those are happening, but also that there is significant evidence suggesting that it increases the risk of serious future disease. So we wanna make them go away for all of those reasons. So let's talk about how we can make them go away. And there are lots of options, but let me reiterate my theory about medicine in general. That is, we want to treat the root cause. And if the root cause of hot flashes and night sweats is estrogen being too low, replacing estrogen fixes it. So the primary treatment for hot flashes and night sweats, which works for almost 100% of patients, you could certainly say 100% of patients if the hot flashes are caused by low estrogen, is gonna be treated when we replace the estrogen. And estradiol is FDA approved for treatment of hot flashes and night sweats or vasomotor symptoms. So for those of you who find that important, and obviously that's not the only important thing, because I'm gonna talk about lots of non-FDA approved things as well, but estradiol is FDA approved for treatment of those symptoms. So a very good question might be, why would you go any further than just taking estradiol? Because that's going to fix it better than any of the other options. Not to mention, it's not only going to fix vasomotor symptoms. We all know the multiple other health benefits from taking estrogen. Protection of the brain, heart, bones, sexual function, sleep, all of those things as well. All of the other methods that I'm going to tell you about, which do work better than placebo, don't have any of those other benefits and have a whole bunch of other side effects. So let's just say estrogen is by far and away the best treatment for hot flashes and night sweats. 
if you just do that, you don't have to listen to all the other options. But a couple of things to think about. Remember we were talking just earlier in this video about how we can have hot flashes and night sweats before menopause when we're perimenopausal at times when our estradiol is low. So during perimenopause, it is a bit tricky taking estradiol because as you recall from watching previous videos, it's actually a time of estrogen dominance. That means throughout the whole month, we're producing lots of estrogen. We actually have days when it's very high. We have other days when it's low enough to cause hot flashes, but it can be difficult to give estrogen to a patient who's perimenopausal because it'll get too high on days that it's already a bit too high. So a very good way to take estrogen when we're perimenopausal is in the form of a low dose birth control pill. And that's a perfectly good idea. Uh, it's very safe. And this is of course for younger women because by nature of the fact that you're perimenopausal, you're very likely to be under 50 uh, or certainly close to that. We don't recommend taking birth control pills as we get older because oral estrogen is not good for the liver and it does increase blood clotting events, things like a stroke. But in healthy women, women who don't smoke, who are in their 40s, that's a very good option. Now, why it doesn't have the same effect that I was mentioning with making estrogen too high on those high estrogen days is because it shuts our own body's estrogen production down. So remember when you're on birth control pills, your ovaries are basically in hibernation. You're not making any of your own estrogen, so it won't get too high. It also won't get too low. Now, if you take birth control pills the traditional way, 21 days of hormones followed by a seven day break. During that break, we have our period. And that traditional way, you've got seven days when you're not getting any estrogen. A lot of women are going to have hot flashes and night sweats during that seven day break. So one way to deal with that is either to not take a break at all, which is perfectly safe, just to take them continuously, or to take a very short break, three to four days. And actually a lot of pills are packaged that way now. So there's 24 active pills and just a four day break. So if you are taking birth control pills for menopause symptoms during the perimenopausal phase, we usually use a low dose of estrogen with a short break so that you don't get into those very low estrogen symptoms again, or no break at all. And that's a really good idea. Now, once you're menopausal and your own estrogen production is zero or close to it, taking estradiol continuously is what we would recommend, as we've talked about many times before, in the form of something that's not by mouth. That could be a patch, a pellet, an injection, a cream, something that goes under your tongue, most of you know I use a pellet in my own body, something so that we're getting estrogen all the time. And we never get into those low spots where estrogen's you know, below 30 or 40 when that would set off hot flashes. Now I can tell you, even now I'm 56, if my estrogen drops a little bit low, for example, if I forget to get my pellet replaced on time, the very first thing I notice is that I will wake up sweating. <laughs> and that happened to me just a couple of months ago because I forgot to get my pellet replaced on time, just a matter of putting it on the calendar. So it's very easy to know when your estrogen's low if you're someone like many of us who has those symptoms because they will come right back again when we get off our estrogen. Now, if we don't take anything, hot flashes and night sweats last for an average of seven years. Now, that's an average of seven years, meaning some people go through them much more quickly, but for some women, they last for 20 or more years. So this is something that we really want to consider as a major quality of life issue that's worth addressing. So estrogen, 
whether it's in perimenopause in the form of birth control pills or a patch pellet or something similar when we're postmenopausal is going to make those symptoms go away, increase a lot of other health benefits as well that we all know about and have very few other side effects. If we do have side effects, they should be very manageable. So let's look at some of the other FDA approved options for management of vasomotor symptoms. Now I made a video a while back about a fairly new drug that was FDA approved just in May of 2023. So a little bit more than six months ago, goes by the brand name Vioza. So Vioza does help with hot flashes and night sweats better than placebo. It wasn't much better than placebo and the study with Vioza lasting for 12 weeks, patients said that they had 65% fewer hot flashes on Vioza versus 45% on placebo. And I'm rounding those numbers a little bit, but it was something like that. So there's a significant placebo effect just to say when we take anything uh, in the form of a treatment for hot flashes. So Vioza does help with hot flashes a little bit better than placebo. I already mentioned in the previous video that you can watch all about it, that it works directly on the hypothalamus. It blocks a substance called NKB in the hypothalamus. So it's working directly on the brain and that way does reduce those symptoms, but it doesn't do anything else. So we don't get any of the other benefits, which makes me wonder why anybody would take it. It's very expensive. It has a bunch of potential side effects. You have to have your liver enzymes checked several times a year because it can adversely affect the liver. So there'd be a very small group of patients that I would ever consider prescribing that for because it's just a little bit better than nothing to treat one symptom, causes several other side effects, and doesn't have any other benefits. So letting you know that it's out there, but it's certainly not something that I've ever prescribed, uh, nor do I think I probably ever will. And the third thing that's FDA approved for hot flashes and night sweats is a certain antidepressant that goes usually by the brand name Paxil or paroxetine, which is the generic name. So as you might know, if a drug is FDA approved for a certain indication, it's given a brand name. So paroxetine under the name Paxil is FDA approved for treatment of depression. It's also FDA approved for treatment of hot flashes under a different name. And that different name is Brisdel. Now Brisdel is exactly the same thing. It's just in a lower dose. So Brisdel is 7.5 milligrams of paroxetine, which is a low dose. It wouldn't be enough to treat depression. If we're treating depression, you would use up to 70 milligrams or 75 milligrams of paroxetine. So a typical dose might be 25 to 50 milligrams if you're taking it for depression, but it is the same drug. It's an SSRI or a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. So it's working again on the level of the brain. These drugs have lots of side effects, as we know, including wiping out libido in many patients, affecting sleep, affecting weight. Now at this low dose, those things are less likely to happen. But again, we're, we're using a drug to treat a symptom rather than treating the root cause, which to me makes me wonder, why would you not just take estrogen? But that is out there on the list of things that are FDA approved. Now, none of the other SSRI antidepressants are FDA approved for treatment of hot flashes, but many others have been used because they work on the same pathway. Uh, for example, Effexor, commonly used for hot flashes and night sweats. Just because it's not FDA approved just means that the drug company didn't present it to the FDA with studies showing that it worked. It doesn't mean that it doesn't work. So again, FDA approval doesn't make something good. It just means that 
studies were done that were rigorous enough to have the FDA approve it for a certain indication. So antidepressants are certainly on the list of things that are FDA approved. So we have three FDA approved choices for treatment of vasomotor symptoms. Again, estrogen makes a lot of sense to me because low estrogen causes them. So replacing it makes them go away. And then Vioza and lastly, certain antidepressants, specifically paroxetine at a very low dose. So those are the three FDA approved. Now there are lots of others that are not FDA approved that have been shown in various studies to work better than placebo. I'm gonna tell you I don't like any of them, but I do like to be thorough just to let you know what's out there. So starting with a very old fashioned treatment that we used to talk about 25 years ago when I was in early stage of my career, clonidine, which is a blood pressure medication, lowers blood pressure and in certain patients was shown in some studies to improve hot flashes and night sweats better than placebo. We really don't use that anymore. I would be very surprised to ever hear a physician prescribing that because it's so inferior to other methods. However, it is out there. It's something that you might read about. Now it's a blood pressure medicine, so it drops your blood pressure. It can cause symptoms related to low blood pressure. It's hard to get off. We can have a rebound and it makes our blood pressure go up when we try to get off of it. So it's nothing that I would recommend. It's certainly nothing that I would take but it is on the list of things that have been studied to treat these particular symptoms. Similar, other neuroactive drugs, including gabapentin or neurontin. Now that's a very good drug for nerve pain. So it's often prescribed for chronic pain. It works on the GABA receptors in the brain. So also being uh, associated with improvement in sleep. So some patients take neurontin for pain, also for insomnia and Hot flashes and night sweats are improved better than with placebo. But again, this is a very powerful neuroactive drug. If I didn't have chronic pain, I probably wouldn't choose that. Again, for the reason that we're not treating the root cause, which is estrogen being too low, but it is out there and it's on the list of drugs that have been shown to work better than a sugar pill. Similar family cousin to gabapentin is a drug called Lyrica. This is another drug that's used for chronic pain. It's also used for seizures, very powerful psychoactive drug. Lots of side effects, again, very difficult to get off. So Lyrica, the generic name is pregabalin. Are some studies showing that it works better than placebo for treating those particular symptoms? But again, something that I wouldn't take, I wouldn't prescribe. It's just on the list of things that are out there. And then we have a whole group of what are called phytoestrogens, phyto meaning plant. So phytoestrogens are estrogen-like substances that are found in plants. So what does that mean? Well, certain plants like black cohosh, soy, red clover, list of others, act like estrogen in that they attach to estrogen receptors. So one way of describing what an estrogen is, is any substance that attaches to an estrogen receptor. So a phytoestrogen, for example, red clover, soy, black cohosh, there's a whole list of them, attached to estrogen receptors and can cause some of those symptoms to be slightly reduced. And studies on various phytoestrogens, and some of them you can buy over the counter, uh, there's lots of brands like Estrovan and others, so if you look online for menopause support without a doctor's prescription, you could often get one of these. We don't know how well they work. There are some small studies that suggest that some of them work better than placebo for 
uh, mood stability or even for reducing the number of hot flashes. But the amount that you're getting is so variable. Um, again, not FDA approved. They're not even prescription medications. So we really don't know how much you're getting. But if you were really in a bind and you couldn't get to a doctor to get a prescription of estrogen, that might be something to try that's slightly better than nothing maybe just slightly better than nothing, but when we're having those symptoms, goodness, I would try just about anything. Uh, now, in the category of things that probably does actually work, but we don't have much understanding about in Western medicine is acupuncture. So there are some really good studies showing that acupuncture does relieve hot flashes and night sweats in a certain subset of patients better than placebo. I have nothing against acupuncture. I think it's a fantastic idea but I would still take estrogen because why not treat the root cause? And then last but certainly not least is lifestyle changes. And in addition to taking estrogen, I would certainly do these anyway. Things like reducing alcohol. Uh, drinking alcohol certainly can precipitate those symptoms. I can tell you when I was having them, if I drank a glass of wine, it would make them much worse. Reducing stress with techniques like meditation, yoga, prayer. If we're very stressed, anxiety or an elevation in our own body's adrenaline causes them to be worse. Getting plenty of sleep, not gaining weight, reducing sugar, very high spikes in sugar can set off hot flashes as well. So in the bucket of lifestyle changes, all of those things that we know are good for us anyway, like reducing alcohol, sugar, sleeping well, not gaining weight, exercising. Exercising definitely helps all of those symptoms. So lifestyle changes is a very important bucket that we should do even if we're taking estrogen. And then a plug for the last one, which is psychological therapy. There are some really good studies showing that cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, is helpful at reducing hot flashes and night sweats. And those studies were primarily done on breast cancer patients who were told that they couldn't take estrogen for a period of time. So in a bind, if we cannot take estrogen, absolutely that can be part of the therapy. And frankly, it mostly is dealing with stress reduction because it's very stressful to be having those symptoms and ways to help improve our sleep and other things that therapy can help all of us with. So once again, going back to the root cause of hot flashes and night sweats is low estrogen. I'm all about treating the root cause. So my first choice would of course be to just take estrogen. And if you're in the camp still that thinks that taking estrogen is a bad idea, just look at the list of side effects from all the other things that I mentioned. Just think about it. Doesn't make a lot of sense in most cases. So there are very few patients who should not take estrogen. For those, drugs like Vioza could be helpful, even a low-dose antidepressant. But I would think very carefully about why we're not just taking estrogen if those symptoms are bothering us because we can make them completely go away. Well, I hope you learned something today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please don't forget to subscribe, share it with your friends, and I can't wait to see you next week.